When it comes to increasing sales, we generally talk about marketing generated opportunities, close rates, add-on sales, and follow-up, all of which are obviously important. Today, I want to talk about a way to maximize sales opportunities I rarely hear discussed, but personally saw the benefits of in my own company. Stay tuned to hear what it is. Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. So today I want to start off by telling you a story from uh, several years ago. I was on a job site with a, a guy, a training technician out in the field with a trainee, and they were working at an apartment complex. And this was just a random drop in for me. Honestly, I had not been on a job site in quite a while, uh, several months at least. Uh, we had, a, by this point, we had a, a leadership team in place. We had field supervisors and, and operation manager, and we, we had people in place. So me getting out on job sites was just something that didn't happen, frankly, all that often. But I was really there because I wanted to see how our accident prevention program was going. I wanted to know, for example, are we really putting out cones around our trucks like we said we were? I wanted to check on those kinds of things firsthand to make sure that we were doing what we said we were doing. And to be clear, the training guy I visit was visiting was a fantastic guy. Like he was, he was this guy that we all have this employee. If I could clone this guy and have 25 of him, I would do it in a second. Like he was absolutely awesome. And the trainee was good too. So it wasn't like I was there like looking for problems. It wasn't like that. I just really was just seeing, I was driving by. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to stop in here and see if we're doing our safety stuff. Like we say we are. And, uh, they were there to fix a problem in this apartment building. Now in the industry I came from, there's some problems, especially with apartment buildings and things like that, where if you have a problem in unit one a, and it's a 12 unit building, eventually this this was the kind of problem that would have to be addressed throughout the entire building. Now, whether the customer want to deal with that today or next week or next month or next year or 10 years from now, like who knows, right? But this is the kind of problem that would eventually need to be addressed throughout the whole building. And this was about a 12, if I remember right, this is about a 12 unit or so apartment building. And one of the most frustrating things I've ever experienced in sales and then way more as a business owner is getting this small, let's say $5,000 individual repair or project or whatever, but not getting the big $60,000 project. You know, I, we get called out to get to go fix a small little thing. Hey, this unit needs to be fixed. We go in and fix that thing. And then eight months later, we find out they did the whole building and we just never knew <laughs> for whatever reason. And as a salesperson, that just always bugged me. But then when it's your own company and you didn't get this opportunity, like, it's just devastating. Like for me, it was just really disheartening. And honestly, it happened more than I care to talk about it. it. It probably didn't happen as much as I think, but it happened enough where it really bugged me. So one of the things that became top of mind for me 
whenever I went on to job sites and these kinds of projects were happening, these kinds of things where we're fixing it here, but eventually they're going to have to address it in a much larger scale. And now keep in mind, when I say much larger scale in apartment complexes in, in the industry we came from, the, all the buildings were built at the same time. So eventually all the buildings would have this problem and they would all have to address it. So this could be, you know, a $500,000 thing or, you know, whatever. Anyhow. So we start talking those numbers, like, it became top of mind for me to tune in to listening for key phrases that would indicate the customer was like maybe tuned into the idea that they they wanted to do this bigger project rather than just a small repair. So I also around that time, uh, um, whenever I had that epiphany many years before the story I'm telling you about coming to this job site, I also began just asking questions to see if they're interested in talking about the bigger project because both the customer and I would know that eventually they'd have to address this on a larger scale. And there's a handful of variables that would dictate their path, and we won't get into all that stuff today. That's not really pertinent to the story. My point is, though, it wasn't weird to be asking these kind of semi-probing questions about whether they were interested in talking about fixing the problem for the whole building or even the whole complex. That wasn't that wasn't out of line. Unless it was their first week on the job, they would know that this was like an eventuality they would have to deal with. So anyhow, back to my job site visit. Knowing all this, knowing that I'm tuned into this kind of project they were working on in this kind of building was one that would have to be addressed in a larger scale. And this is one of my A players. Again, this is a guy I would clone if I could. I was shocked when I asked um, him, my, my, my training technician, what would tell you the customer to want to take on this whole project for the whole building, not just this unit? And his answer was silence. He really didn't know. Now, there's no question that when the business owner randomly shows up on a job site and asks a pointed question like that, especially, again, looking at our arrangement at the time, he had a supervisor, he had a manager, he had other people in between the business owner, one of the business owners, and him. One of the business owners coming to a job site might have been a little intimidating, and here I show up and I, I put him on the spot, I ask a point-blank question. And in those situations, sometimes employees are just going to, their mind's just going to blank. And I get that. So keeping that in mind, I waited a few minutes and essentially asked the same question a different way. I asked something like, if I remember correctly, in previous times like this, what have people said that might make you think they want to address this problem for the whole building? And his answer was, I haven't really thought about that. I guess I'm not really sure. So it occurred to me that here's a guy that I would clone. Like, I would love to have 25 of these guys. Like, just like him. He was awesome. It occurred to me that if he, an A player, doesn't know, how likely is the other people who I wouldn't necessarily clone wouldn't know what to do? What about the 10 guys we had on staff who were fairly new that had been with the company for, let's say, less than 18 months? What about the guys who think of themselves as, quote unquote, just installers or just laborers or just ditch diggers? What about those guys who think, well, that's not really, I'm, I'm so new, I'm so inexperienced, I don't have the skills to address these things. Like, what would they be listening for? So the answer, of course, would be if the A player doesn't have the answer, then of course these other folks, there's no way. Um, but the problem is there's plenty of times where these guys who call, call themselves just installers or just laborers or just ditch diggers are left on the job site prepping for the more, more experienced technicians to come in and do the work that requires more experience. So if the customer said something 
that would indicate they were interested in doing a bigger project or doing more work. And forget the example, the specific example of this apartment complex I'm talking about. Like in general, if a customer were to indicate that they wanted to do something additional, there's a zero chance these guys would get it. You know, these, these younger folks. So it really like in a, in a matter of a few moments from the time I left there to getting back to the office, my mind was just spinning. Like how many opportunities are we losing each year? Because the buying cues are missed or not known or missed because they're not known or missed. Even if they are known, how many opportunities are we losing because the right questions are not being asked or the people on site don't think it's appropriate to act when the customer is obviously interested in buying more. So if this customer wanted to buy more and they said something to a, a junior employee who didn't have a lot of uh, tenure with the company or didn't have a lot of experience in the trade yet or the, or the craft or the industry, or wasn't one of the A players who was just naturally eager to chase that kind of thing down. Um, what are the opportunities we're losing because they don't think it's appropriate to act on that stuff when the customer's genuinely interested in doing something more? And the answer was a lot, like way more than I wanted to admit. There was tons of opportunities, obviously, that we were losing if one of my A players didn't really even know the questions to be on the lookout for. So I'm going to explain some of the things we did to fix this. And first, I want to be really clear about something. I'm not suggesting we turn every encounter with a customer into a full sales court, like full court press on sales. That would be a complete turnoff for most customers. You could lose any referral or positive review you might get from that. You might even lose the original sale if you were too aggressive. So I'm not suggesting that every opportunity, every encounter with the customer is like this full court press. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in that boat at all. I don't, I don't think that's a good approach. I want to be really clear about that. And if the customer says something like, do you think I should have X fixed while you guys are already here? And your most junior person is the one who's asked. Would they respond in a way that you would want them to? Or would they shrug their shoulders and say, I don't know. Or worse, would they offer advice based on their limited knowledge and their own personal ideas of what quote unquote expensive is to steer the customer towards a decision that makes sense to this junior employee who let's say is making 20 bucks an hour and really expensive them to, to them to could be $800. And to the customer, $800 could be nothing. Do we really want that junior employee based on their experience and, and no training at all to be filtering and answering those questions? Like I, This was kind of part of that epiphany that happened for me was if they don't know what to look out for, they don't have answers prepared, they don't know the path that they're supposed to take, they don't even know it's their responsibility to do it, like how many opportunities are we missing every year? Would they even know this junior employee? Would they even know that instead of saying, I don't know, you should ask Billy, the lead, the lead guy on the job, that it's better to say, that's a great question, Mrs. Jones. Let me get Billy to answer that question for you. Because we all know that if we leave it up to the customer, they may never ask Billy. The phone might ring and, and they get distracted and it's just forgotten until it's too late. And the potential sale could be lost. We know that it's better for our lead person who's in charge of this customer's project, whatever it is, it's better for them to proactively ask the customer about it so they're in control of the situation. They can make sure that, that the questions are addressed. But does your junior employee know that? Probably not. And let's talk about Billy, the lead on the job. Is he going to be eager to try to guide this customer towards making a, an additional purchasing decision? Or is he going to be thinking that if they, do, if they want to do more, that's just a burden for him, you know, for, for him in this case? And we often believe that, of course, everyone wants to sell more so we can do more. 
But I'm pretty confident that that's not always how our revenue-producing employees look at it. There's plenty of times where they see doing more of this particular kind of work at this location for this customer is a burden, especially if it's Friday at 2 o'clock and they want to go home. Or if it, even if it's Wednesday at 4 o'clock and they want to go home. So these are things that we have to address. So let me just start in the beginning. And here's kind of here's some of the things that we did specifically to address this issue once it became um, such a glaring opportunity for us. First thing was we we let everybody know that everyone is in sales. Now today, as many companies are moving to a model where there are estimators and salespeople who make the sale and then they turn the job over to installers, it's very common for the installers to take on this mindset that the sales part is done once they get on site. So I began letting our team know that everyone is in sales. Of course, the lead technician is in sales, even if he's quote unquote, just an installer and somebody else sold the job. The lead technician is still in sales. The trainee is in sales. The receptionist is in sales. The admin assistant is in sales. The dispatcher, the accounting team, the safety manager is in sales. The entry-level guy who's been here for four days who does nothing but dig ditches because that's all he knows, he's in sales. Everyone is in sales in this company. Now, how they react to sales opportunities and what they're kind of marching orders are in those opportunities are wildly different. I'm not going to have a salesperson and the receptionist handle those things the same way. That's absolutely not, not the case. But they all have to understand that they have a sales role and a sales responsibility, whatever that was. It was important that they knew at least part of my job is facilitating sales, no matter what my title is. The safety manager had a role in facilitating sales. So the key questions here are, do they all individually know that they are in sales? Like if you had, if you have 20 people in your company and you have a company meeting on, you know, the first Thursday of every month or whenever it is, and you say, how many of you guys are in sales? How many would raise their hands? For sure, the salespeople, maybe some of your frontline or lead installers, those kinds of folks, but would your dispatchers or, or receptionists? Probably not. The next key question would be, do they really believe it's their responsibility to actively listen for opportunities? And this would be a great example of where you'd want to get out in front of the six reason employees don't do what you need them to, which we covered in episodes 58 through 61. This is a perfect example of that. We want people to do these things. There's six reasons they don't. I go through them in those three episodes. You can, you can get through those episodes in less than an hour. But this is a great example of where we hope or want employees to do something there's a handful of reasons they don't, and it only benefits us to get out in front of those. So whether there's a difference between us telling them it's their responsibility to actively listen for opportunities and then truly believing it and acting on it. That's the key thing I want to, I'm, I'm taking this little sidebar here about those other episodes, 58 through 61. Because if they don't believe it, they don't, they're not going to do it. That's just the way it is. Do they, uh, the next thing is after we establish that we are all in sales, we all have a responsibility and a role in facilitating sales. We also had to identify that every encounter with the customer is potentially a sales opportunity. Just because a salesperson didn't close the add-on sale in the beginning doesn't mean the customer can't change their mind or decide that the repair is no that, that the repair no longer makes sense. Like had that we can think about it. Uh, you, you you came out on Friday. The sales guy came out on Friday. We're starting the job on Monday. Over the weekend, I changed my mind. Now a replacement makes sense. Now, obviously that example is going to make more sense in some industries than others, 
There's some where once you start the repair, it doesn't make sense to do the replacement. I get that. But there's others where even after you start a repair, you could still do a full-on replacement. And that would make sense. It would still be money you had to, even if you started part of it. Or they might remember something else they wanted done. Sometimes, you know, their homeowners especially uh, have these kind of, or, or people with cars, whatever. We have these kind of nagging things that we just kind of put off. And then an emergency happens with our house or our car and we take it in, take the car in to get fixed. And, and the emergency is all we think about. And we forget about the thing that's been the nagging problem for six months or the same thing for our houses. So those kinds of things can pop up. Um, again, this doesn't mean we're pushing a sale at every encounter. This does not mean we're in a full court sales press on every encounter. I want to be really clear about that. It does mean we're actively listening for key phrases, words, and questions. Every encounter is also a potential referral opportunity. So even if you're in an industry where, you know what, uh, we don't have a lot of upsale or add-on sale opportunities, every business has referral opportunities. So do your, your employees know what to listen for specifically as it relates to add-on sales, customers forgot things, they changed their mind, they want to do more. Hey, while you're here, could you, that kind of thing, or referrals. The next thing was identifying that every type of opportunity has specific questions, phrases, or words that indicate the customer is interested in buying more. So very general examples might include things like, how long would it take to fill in the blank? Or how much would it cost to fill in the blank? Would it make sense for me to consider fill in the blank? Or just plain old, do you think I should fill in the blank? Like, there's very generic examples like that. And of course, you as an expert in your industry will, will know the exact words, phrases, or questions would indicate in a particular situation the customer is interested in buying more. Referral examples might sound like, what areas do you service? Do you also perform XYZ service? Or I have a friend who could use your help. So the key question here would be, do your employees know what to do when they hear these key phrases, words, or questions specifically? Do they even know that these key things exist? Could they, could they even tell you what they are? The next thing we have to figure out is, what do we want our team to do when they hear these cues? Do they have a script to follow or at least some predetermined bullet points to cover? So I, if you're not into scripting, that's fine. I'm not suggesting you have to be. But if a customer says, what areas do you service? How do, what specifically do we want our customers to say? Do we have a, a map that we can hand them? Do we have a business card that has an image on the back that shows the area we cover or a list of the cities? Um, what do we want them to do? Like, how do we want them to proactively handle these kinds of situations? Do we want them just to call somebody else in to take over the conversation? Again, if this is my guy who's been on the job for four days, his marching orders are simple. Find the closest person that's not a four-day employee and let them know what just happened. That's, that's the solution for this person. Uh, but another, another critical thing for, for us to help guide people in making people, our employees, make good decisions is when these things happen, when should they finish what they're working on now and get back to the customer in a couple hours? And when should they stop what they're doing and address the customer's concerns immediately? Do we have clarity on that even? Do our employees, are there, our employees doing things in the way we'd want as far as customer says this, asks this questions, hey, how much would it cost me to do this? Does that tell me to like back burner that and I'll get to you in a couple hours? Or is that like, holy smokes, let's stop everything that could dramatically change things and we need to stop and address that now 
And then, of course, the next thing is figure out how are we handling these situations right now? Now, this is one of those areas we typically uh, skip as business owners. We decide what we want to do, and we just march forward towards doing that. And we don't ever take the time often. shouldn't say ever. We don't oftentimes take the time to figure out how we're handling these situations right now. And I think this is a critical thing to understand. What are we doing now and then where we want to go? So a really easy way to do this is just ask people. Ask them to see how well prepared they are to answer these questions. It may surprise you to find out they don't really have super great answers chambered and ready to go when somebody says, um, do you think I should X, Y, Z? Or how much would it cost for this? By asking our team questions like, what kinds of additional sales might a customer want in this kind of situation? You know, you could just randomly bring out three invoices from your from your schedule last week. You could randomly pull out three things. You could you could pick the ones you think are most likely to have sales opportunities, and just ask the question: What kinds of additional sales might a customer want in this situation? After the salesperson's left, after the job started, whatever. What kinds of things might the customer say to indicate they're considering buying more? And how would we know if a customer changed their mind about buying something and they already said no to? So the estimator came out, gave them their good, better, best options. They picked the middle one, and then they had the weekend to think about it. What would tell us the customer changed their mind? Now, again, I'm not suggesting these are things that are going to happen 43% of the time. They're absolutely not. But at a minimum, we will learn where our employees know what to look out for and, and what those key phrases are and how they're supposed to respond and where they don't get it. If you own a housekeeping company, and your customer tells your employee that a friend could use some help with their house because they just had surgery, does your employee know that should prompt some kind of proactive response? And do you guys, you and the employee, agree upon what that response should be? Does the employee know how to handle that other than just nodding and smiling and saying, oh, I hope they find somebody? <laughs> so again, this is not necessarily something that's, that's that I would say is going to you know add 19% more sales to your business every year. I don't think I don't I don't even know how we would quantify it because these opportunities come and go randomly, but they do come and go, and we do oftentimes miss them. And we do have employees who are not prepared to answer these things in a way that is going to help our our company take advantage of these opportunities that they come up uh, as they come up. So, um, before we move on, let me just take a quick minute to tell you that time is now running out. This episode is being released on October twenty fifth, twenty twenty two, and our My Success Works group community is in open enrollment right now but only through the month of October, so less than a week. This only happens three times a year. The next enrollment period won't be until spring of 2023. So if you've been on the fence about learning exactly what you should focus on and put your energy into now based on where your business is to make the most amount of progress or learning step-by-step actionable plans to overcome all kinds of employees, employee challenges you're facing or figuring out how to get more time, how to get more freedom from your business, this is the time to act. I can nearly guarantee it's less expensive and less time-consuming than you think. To see what it's all about and see if it's a good fit for you, book a complimentary, no pressure call with me. Again, I'm not a high pressure sales guy. You can book a call with me at uh, connectingwithbrian.com. That's connectingwithbrian.com. So first thing we got to do in the beginning is establish and make sure everybody knows that everybody is in sales. The lead tech, of course, the trainee receptionist, you know, the receptionist, they're in sales. So a customer calls and says, hey, I have you guys out doing XYZ or hey, you're working on something for me in your shop or you're in your office, what would tell them they might have a uh, uh, desire to do more than what they're already doing? What kinds of things might they say? The admin assistant, the dispatcher, the accounting team. Accounting team's a great one. Like when a customer calls and says, yeah, yeah, 
had you guys do this thing and I'm calling to pay the bill. I think I really should have said yes to this other work. What would tell the accounting team that that is something to act on? The safety manager. Uh, and again, the entry level person has been there four days. Everyone has a role and a responsibility as it relates to sales. Key questions here. Do they all individually know that? Do they believe it? Are they going to act on it? Again, this is a great time to go back to the episodes 58 through 61. Listen to the six reasons employees don't do what we need them to. Uh, that'll be very helpful in a situation like this. Every encounter is a potential sales opportunity. Just because a salesperson didn't close doesn't mean the customer can't change their mind or decide that a repair no longer makes sense and something bigger does. Uh, again, obviously, that makes more, more sense in some industries than others. Uh, they might remember something they forgot that they wanted to get done. And again, this doesn't mean we're pushing really hard for sales in every encounter. I'm not a fan of that at all. Uh, it just means we're listening for those key phrases, words, and questions. We have to identify what those are and identify what people are supposed to do when they hear them. Every encounter is also a potential referral opportunity. If your business is one where you don't have a lot of upsell or add-on or, or whatever add-on sale opportunities, you still have tons of referral opportunities. What specifically would your employees know to listen for to tell them this is a great referral opportunity and what are they supposed to do with that? Who do they turn it over to? Do they make a phone call? Do they send an email? Internally, they send one to the potential cut. Like, what do they do? Every type of opportunity has specific questions, phrases, and words that will indicate there's some interest. Again, I give you some uh, generic examples. How long would it take to? How much would it cost to? Would it make sense to? Should I? These are just kind of generic ones, but your industry, you're an expert in your industry. You'll know exactly what words, questions, or phrases would indicate in a particular situation the customer has an interest in buying more. Referral examples include what areas do you service? Do you also do this kind of work? I have a friend who could use some help. I have an uncle. My neighbor had a similar problem three days ago or two months ago. Those are all great referral um, uh, indicators. What do your employees, you know, do your employees know what to do when they hear those things? Specifically, do they know what phrases, words, and questions, and they know specifically what to go do? Uh, what do you, again, what do you want them to do? Do they have a script to follow? or at least some kind of bullet points to cover. Do they call somebody else in? Again, my four-day guy on the job guy, his he just stops and calls somebody else. That's what he does. That's it, period. It's super simple for him. Uh, but here's a key thing that not everyone knows is, am I supposed to finish what I'm working on now and get back to the customer in a couple hours or in 30 minutes, or do I stop what I'm doing and address this concern right now? That is something I think is really critical to get out in front of. And the next thing is figuring out how are we actually doing this right now? Like when, they, when these things happen, do we recognize they're happening? If we don't, let's start you know, start identifying what would tell us it's happening. If we do recognize it's happening, we don't have great answers or responses prepared. then that's where we start in the conversation, of course. Uh, it may surprise us to find out that our really top talented people don't have great answers ready for this kind of stuff. And they just kind of wing it. And the answer varies from case to case. And the results vary from case to case, and sometimes we're on top of it, and sometimes we're not. So by asking our team's question, like, what kind of uh, what kinds of additional sales might a customer want in this situation? Or what kinds of things might the customer say to indicate they're considering buying more? How would we know if a customer changed their mind about something they already said no to? How would we know if they have a referral? At a minimum, we need to learn um, to, to, we need to learn where they are in the process and where they get things and, and where they know to look out for things and what to do and where they don't. And so we can, you know, laser in our training and education here. We don't want to, we don't have to start the, the whole entire process that they get part of it, skip the part they get and let's address the parts they don't. Right. 
okay, so don't miss your last opportunity of 2022 to uh, join our My Success, Success Work program where you can, along with other business owners, learn and improve uh, your business. You can learn and implement proven real-life solutions for the challenges you're facing today to see what it's all about and see if it's a good fit for you. Book a complimentary no-pressure call with me, connectingwithbrian.com. Again, that's connectingwithbrian.com. That takes you right to my calendar. We'll jump on a call for 45 minutes. We'll know really quickly if this is a good fit for you. If it's not, I'll help you find other solutions. If it is, we'll we'll go over how it works. So um, that's it for this week. Uh, other things that you could do, I'd really appreciate if you could uh, take some time and just send this to a friend or colleague who's a business owner in the service industry. Give us a rating or a review, especially if you're on Spotify. I could really use some reviews and ratings there. That'd be awesome. But again, if you, even if you don't have time for that, just share this with a friend of yours who's a business owner in your industry or a friend who owns a different kind of service business. There's an easy way you, you find a little up arrow thing and you can text it, you can email it. it like, technology is super easy for that kind of stuff now. That's how we grow these kinds of things and uh, help as many folks as possible. So appreciate your help with that. Uh, and that's it for this week. And I'll see you all next week.